Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Internet Cafe with your host, Wanda Williams. My guest today is the awesome Gina Watts, CEO of... Uh, Gina, help me out here. The name of your company is? Unity Home Care Services. That's right. And we're going to be talking about health care. We're going to be talking about taking care of our um, elderly parents or our loved ones and how we do that. And do with dignity. Show our um, older adults that we care and love them. We'll be back in a couple minutes, and then we're going to start the show with Gina Watts. Be right back. We are back. We are back. We're back with uh, Gina Watts. Her company is Unity Home Care Services. Hello, Gina. Good evening. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, 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 good. And you're calling from the Maryland area, correct? I am. I'm in Maryland, but very close to the D.C. area. The D.C. area. How's the weather? Uh, it's a little brisk, but nice. Nice but brisk. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, yeah. it was fifty today. I'm in Milwaukee, so it was like mm-hmm. a, it was like fifties today. So I was shocked. I I got all bundled up and out to go outside, and it was kind of warm. But that's that's great. You know, I am so excited to have you here because I had talked to you before, and uh, your healthcare um, services I think is so wonderful and. Um, it's wonderful that you have this service in the Maryland area, and probably you do serve the D.C. area also, correct? Correct. Okay. Now, uh, uh, tell me your address. Give you your address and phone number, how they contact you. I'm going to do all that at the beginning here. Name of your company, your address, and how they can contact you. Okay. So, again, I'm Regina Watts. I am the owner of Unity Home Care Services, we're located in the Maryland area, and what we do is we provide in-home home care to the elderly. So if you want to reach me, you can reach me two ways. My phone number is 301-272-7335, or you can go to my website, and it's unityhomecareservices.com. Uh, probably the better way to reach me is the phone number. Again, it's 301-272-7335. All right, all right, all right. You know, um, I'm going to ask the first question i got to know. How did you get started in this line of business? Because it takes a special person to be in this line of business. So tell me how you got started. I have a long story and a short story. Which one you want? We'll take a combination of both. <laughs> go ahead. I tell you, it's a good story. So go ahead. Tell us the story. Okay. So the longer story is that as a young adult, my grandmother had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And as the family tried to deal with her in home, became increasingly difficult. Uh, she would get lost. She would try to do uncon- unconventional things like wash her clothes in a pot of boiling water. So she just got progressively worse as the disease does progress. And um, that's where my heart came, became open to the elderly. The short of the story is, well, let me put an ending on the first story. My grandmother ended up being put into a nursing home because, of course, it got to a point where the family couldn't take care of her. And she had been in that nursing home for more than 18 years before she passed from the disease. So that's how we dealt with that. But the long, the shorter version is my mom is a nurse and we had lived in a neighborhood who had some elderly neighbors and they knew that my mom was a nurse and one of the a husband and wife, they needed assistance. So every day before my mom came home from work, she would go straight to these people's home and try to assist them 
and feed the person. She would give him baths. She would do everything for them. And so it became a point where my mother would, what I would say is pimp the family out, have my dad go <laughs> over there to help the man, have my son go over there to help the man. Ah, and then, all right. you know, even me. So then I decided to have a conversation with the grandson who was helping take care of his grandparents to express that, you know, they're getting a little worse. They shouldn't be home by themselves. They need some assistance. And that's how my business started because I was helping them. Oh, that's great. That's great. So you knew this is what you wanted to do and you wanted to uh, help um, aging people because obviously you were good at it. Well, I, I, you know, you didn't, I didn't know I was being prepared for it by, dealing with my grandmother. I had no idea I was being prepared for it. But when the opportunity presented itself and I saw the need for it, I just started to research because I said, if they need help, then other people may need help as well. And so uh, that's how I started the business. That's that's great. That's great. So um, what that, that's interesting that you said that your grandmother was in, in a, a nursing home for 18 years. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a long time. Her quality of life must have been very good. She was a very, very strong woman. So if, when you think about her history, and you know, she was picking tobacco back in North Carolina. So she was a very strong woman. Um, and I often say they don't make them like that. She was the sweetest woman you would ever want to meet. And so she just had a will. And other than her will, she was just a woman of God. So he just kept her. Wow. So your family must have visited her a lot. She wasn't lonely because I, uh, I had worked at a facility before as a, a counselor, and a lot of the older adults were um, very uh, lonely because their um, children and family more or less put them there and kind of forgot about them. They wouldn't come visit on holidays. And, they, and you know, the, 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 the homes uh, make sure that, the, that they have a good time around the holidays. They do special things and birthdays and things of that nature. And then some of the, um, the clients there will get to know you and they become friends. So if it's a family-orientated facility, uh, it's not as, as lonesome. But a lot of facilities yeah. where they just, you know, they're so lonely, they just kind of drift away. So how was, the, how was um, your grandmother treated at that facility? Because it must have been great for her to live that long. It was absolutely great. Now, what you need to know, the backstory is like my mom is a nurse, and she's always worked in nursing homes. So when she came initially, she set the tone for our expectations because she knew how a nursing home could be. So she made it clear that, and this is her mother-in-law, so she made it clear that, you know, I want to make sure she's dressed. I want her out of the bed. I want, you know, the demands that we had to give her the best quality of care. But on the flip side of that, there were lots of people who didn't have family members um, to come and see them or even to give them, you know, the basic supplies. So it was lots of times that my mother would collect, like, house dresses because people didn't have things um, because their families put them there. And I can't say that they couldn't afford it or I'm not sure what their situation was, but they needed a lot of things. So we collected socks. And then as I um, got older, I had a social club. And one of the things um, my social club did, we had girls who we mentored. And every year around this time, we would do a drive to collect socks. And we would give them to the different nursing homes because we found when we found out that a lot of people there didn't have things, that was our way of giving back. So we would have the kids collect the things, and um, before my grandmother died, we gave them to her nursing home, and then after that, I gave them to my mother's nursing home um, to give them to people who didn't have things. Wow. So in the, in that area, are there lots of nursing homes? In um, your, there's in the, quite in the a Maryland? few big ones. Yeah, it's a quite a few big ones in the DMV area, and they run right. They run great. They run um, properly. Well, I'm sure some good and bad in all of them, but for the most part, I haven't heard of any, you know, big concerns with nursing homes in the area. Okay, awesome. That's great. That's great to hear. And I'm so happy that your your grandmother uh, lived a, a, a fruitful life. 
uh, in the nursing home for 18 years because I've never really heard of that. That's that's great. I mean, ooh, that's just mm-hmm. really a, that's really a nice thing to hear. So I'm going to get back to your your um, business because you're the CEO and yes. Unity Home Care Services. What services do you provide? Um, if you can go through each one of them, because I know some of them, but you tell me which ones you provide for your clients. So what we do is um, I send an aide or I'll send a personal assistant person. Um, I usually say personal care because some people don't necessarily need a CNA. They just might need uh, someone who can just help them. And basically what we do is we help them with their daily activities of living. So things like feeding them, cooking for them, helping them bathe and dress and get them up out of bed to walk. Some people want to go to, they have gyms in their buildings or in their homes and they want to do a little exercise or assist them with going to the doctor, just whatever they need. So we have different services to fit whatever the need is. Okay. So if I needed somebody to come clean my home, your service could provide that? Yes. Okay. Now let's say I'm just lonesome, okay, because when you're living alone in your home and your family members may not be coming over and you just want somebody to come over and maybe fix you a little something to eat, keep you a little bit company, help you with your medications that day, do you provide that also? Yes, and we even do all we do things that may not seem typical, but I have a lady because we live right here by the MGM casino, and she doesn't want to mm-hmm. wait for her kids on the weekend to come and take her to where she wants to go. So she'll hire somebody to take her to the casino so that she can oh, get wow. out and do the things she wants to do. Wow. So I could use that myself, not to go to the casino because I really don't like to drive. So you have people that can, uh, I need to go to the grocery store, or I need to go um, downtown and shop, and, and it's like a, a car service, is that correct? Some of them, that you can do that too, pick up your prescriptions, you know, if you have dry cleaning. some You might want somebody to take you to church. It just really depends on what, what your need is. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and it keeps them mobile. Also, mm-hmm. you know, that you don't have to stay in the house. Because some people, when you get older, you don't want to drive. And I'm at a point now where I don't want to drive, but I do drive because it's, you know, just the way it is. You have to drive to get to, to where you want to go. But I would love to have mm-hmm. a service that came and picked me up and, and took me where I wanted to go because these people driving here in Milwaukee driving kind of crazy. So, yeah, that's great. Well, um, so are these nurses that come out or uh, what type of um, credentials do they have, the, the people that work for you to come out and do these different tasks for the um, for your clients? Most are uh, nursing assistants. Some are medication aides because some just pass out medicine, and then there's some that I, most of them are personal care assistants, and that just means you don't have to have a license. You need somebody to, for the lack of a better word, just to be a sitter with them. So some people, like my grandmother, wasn't able to stay home by herself after a period of time. So you get somebody who comes in and makes sure she's eating, but her roam through the house so that she can stay mobile, still lets, you, lets her, you know, watch her shows, but I'm just going to make sure that you get in the bathtub properly and make sure you have your meals and make sure that, you know, all of your medication and things like that are done so you can still stay at home. The purpose of the company is to try to keep the families together and make sure they have as much dignity as possible and also keep their independence for as long as they can. That is great. That is so great. So if you, uh, if somebody um, lives in another place and um, they want a, your service to come out, they could stay all night long, or uh, as long as you want them to, or is only certain it's only a certain time how long they can stay with your uh, clients. So we provide service in increments of four hours, six hours, eight hours. But we also have what's called respite care, and respite is means just temporary care for the elderly. So for some people, they may want to go to their family reunion somewhere else, but can't, the parent may not be able to travel with them. So we'll have an aide 
come in for that whole weekend to stay with them, to make sure they eat, to make sure, you know, they're okay for the weekend while you travel to your family reunion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do they have different people that come in, or do you try to keep the same person so they'll feel more comfortable with, uh, I know you, some people do move to other jobs and that nature, that. but uh, do, do you try to keep the same person coming out so they get to know them, they get to know that person? Initially what I do is try to match personalities with the client, so I'll try to get mm-hmm. somebody who I think is going to be a really good fit for that client. And once I do that, I try to make sure that that person can stay because you want them to feel comfortable and get familiar with the person as well as the client be familiar with the aid. So I try not to disrupt pattern if I can. However, sometimes, you know, schedules may fluctuate. So, and that person, the aide may need a day off to go to the doctor or something. And if that's the case, then I'll have somebody just step in for them for that particular day. But I try to keep the relationships together. Okay. You know, there's a, there's a, uh, a program here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where, um, one of your relatives can be uh, a caregiver, but they have to go through some type of training and, uh, you know, learn how, learn certain things before they can um, uh, t- become the caregiver for their loved ones. And um, uh, so a family member becomes loved, and then the, the, the state pays them. Do you have programs like that there in uh, Maryland and in D.C.? We do. We actually do have very similar programs um, like that, too. Uh, The process is, like you said, it's a little cumbersome because you do have to go through training. You do have to let them come in and certify you to be able to be your family member's caregiver. And so sometimes that becomes a little much because people are still working, and so they can't take off to do the training. So that's how my service gets involved. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's true. And um, you know, I think that I don't know if you found this or not. You know, I think, and I don't mean no harm. There's some uh, family members that are fantastic caregivers, uh, but there's some that are not. You know, they're not mm-hmm. doing everything they're supposed to do. Does anybody come and check and make sure they're doing what they're supposed to? Because I don't know a whole I don't know a whole lot about it. Because I, you know, I may get to a point where I don't have any kids, and I may need somebody to come in and take care of me. And um, I would like to have the proper, <laughs> the proper person come in and take care of me, that type of thing. So, is there anybody that comes and checks and makes sure that that client is being well taken care of? They do have, um, they do have an actual agency that comes out. Well, for here, it's called the Department of Aging, and they do have people who ran, do randoms and come out and check on you. Even with my business, they can check, come into a person's home and do a check to make sure that the aid is doing something properly. And even in that client's home that's being cared for by their family member, they can do that as well. And they also have an adult abuse line. So if Mm -hmm. they feel like they are not being cared for, they can call that number and open a case for them to be investigated. And just like with my case, my company, if somebody feels that way, they can do a case with mine as well. Okay, awesome, awesome. That's great to know. I got to remember that when I, you know, get older and need some help because I know I'm gonna need some help as it is. <laughs> um, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, you got to be realistic because if I make it to an older age, I'm gonna need some help. I don't have no kids. And even if you had, I was telling my friend, I said, uh, "Oh, you're so lucky. You know, at least you have one daughter that uh, she's gonna take care of you in your old age." No, she's not. I don't see her now. I was like, oh, okay, so I don't know where we're going to do. But, you know, some some uh, children become really great caregivers, and some find it very difficult to be a caregiver, to see their parent age, to see their parent sick, to see their parent suffering from Alzheimer's or anything else, and they just cannot be involved with the caretaking process as a family, and then maybe it might just fall on one person. All this is on the one person to make sure they come by after work or whatever and make sure that they're, they're, they eat or they're getting their medicine. Have you come across that a lot in your business? Every day what I find is that there's always one sibling who is the head and is the person who takes on 
the responsibility of the caregiver for their parent, even though they have other siblings. And that one person gets burnt out. And what I usually do is I have a conversation with them and let them know, you know, these are my services that I can provide for for your mom, but what do you need? And so I try to talk to them because sometimes nobody's asked them, how are you? What's going on with you? Because it can become overwhelming to work a job every day, to try to come home and still have to care for your own children and then your parent as well. So I try to be sensitive to the chaos in their life, but also attentive to what their needs are too. And then I offered them the respite care because they didn't know that they had that option to get away for a weekend or to go on a cruise because they don't know what to do with their parent. And especially if it's like a family event, like a family reunion, because all of the Mm -hmm. family is going to try to go. And so they just didn't know that they had an option like that. So I make sure I tell them that because sometimes they just need a break and we all need a break sometimes. And I let them know that that's an option. Because it can be draining because I hear on the news, um, man missing, um, he's suffering from dementia. Has anyone seen this person, this man? And there was one um, particular person I'm thinking of, a woman who um, was having some issues, and the husband was trying to take care of uh, his wife by himself, and um, she ran away. Mm -hmm. And they had to uh, go look for her. And um, they haven't found her yet. No, I mean, this is this has been quite a few months. No remains, no nothing. You know, and then I'm, I hope I'm hope that she's alive somewhere. But they have mm-hmm. never found the, found his wife. And, it is really uh, hard because sometimes, you know, one one mate is trying to take care of the person, but they're steady, the other one is steadily declining. And this is when the children have to come in and, try to help the parent make a decision because at some point, sometimes the parents need to not live alone. They need to maybe live with some of the kids if they can, because they need the supervision. I said that my grandmother became missing and that was like the longest, it wasn't even 24 hours, but it was like the worst day of your life because you're thinking of Mm. all the horrible things that could go wrong And I remember the day that she went missing, or it ended up being a late night that she was missing, it was raining like crazy. It was the worst storm ever. And I'm just picturing her out in the wet, cold, wet rain. And so, you know, all I could do is cry because I didn't know what was going on. But what she had actually wandered into an apartment complex and kind of stayed in the, like, the door well or whatever of the apartment. So she was actually okay, and somebody found her and called the police, and she was fine. But, you know, those things happen when you don't have supervision. And a lot of people, what I've learned is that they're doing, taking care of their parent over the phone. And a phone call can't help you because sometimes you need that visual check because they're not eating like they're supposed to. And you can visually see, you know, they look like they're losing weight, but over the phone, they Mm -hmm. sound fine. So sometimes Mm -hmm. you need to be in person and you can't, I always say people can't parent over the phone. You can't be a caregiver just over the phone either. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Okay. So another problem too is when a parent doesn't know when to stop driving, and um, the kids are concerned, but they still want to be mobile. And uh, at some age, you know, you feel like as as a as a uh, child, or uh, you have to say, "Look, mom, you cannot drive anymore. I have to take your keys. I have to. We have to. You can't drive anymore." Do you help with that type of thing, helping uh, them get through that? But they're used to driving. They've been driving since I don't know when. And you have to say, look, you cannot drive anymore. Uh, you know, you can't, you can, but they still feel that they can drive. How do, how do you handle that? So that would be a family decision, but we would just support whatever the family did. So if they previously mm-hmm. drove and maybe the aide is there and they're asking for their keys, we would just be like, we don't know where they are. We have to follow up with your daughter. We would just really support the family decision and try not to get into that. But that is a big, big 
issue, and it's one that I'm going to have to deal with one day, too, with my own parents, because I can only imagine if my father ever has to stop driving. He That would take his independence away, and that would probably put him in a downward spiral, because that was his job. He was a driver. He is mm-hmm. the best driver, and we always use him to take us on long trips. So he's used to driving. So I would hate to, for that day to happen that I would have to ask my own dad to turn his keys over because I know it wouldn't be pretty. But on the other hand, this neighbor that I was telling you about who I had started my business because that's exactly what happened. He was having accidents every time he drove. And when if you hmm. ever saw him drive, he would pull out of his driveway so slow that you can walk out your door, get in your car, go around the block three times, and he would still be just coming out of his driveway. And he drove oh so slow, and it was just unsafe. And he would just be like, oh, I just want to take my wife to the grocery store because his wife never drove. So she was really dependent on him for everything for many years. And uh, he just didn't want to stop. He run into his house. He would run into cars on the street. It was just a nightmare. Oh and so he would, they would take his keys for a period of time, but then he would, you know, fuss and act up and then they'll give him back and he'll try and he would have another accident. And to the point the insurance company said they weren't going to cover him anymore because of all of the accidents. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's, that's tough. That's tough. That's a tough one because and and having to enforce that as a child to your parents, that the roles are changed now, you know. Uh, right. You know, but they but they're going to remind you. I raised you. You can't tell mm-hmm. me. <laughs> I mm-hmm. I remember when. You know, what, what do you what do you do to that? You know, like mom. You know, what you, you can't drive anymore. I you I you don't tell me. I'm sure that mm-hmm. is a mess because I know how that would be. That wouldn't be nothing pretty or nothing nice. You know, I taught you how to drive. You know. Right. <laughs> What do you say? What do you got to say with that? But um, I, I a question I do want to ask because um about Alzheimer, Alzheimer's and some of the um diseases that are affecting older adults and also, um some people are getting Alzheimer's at a, a earlier age. Uh, what are some of your thoughts about this? Because you've seen this and you've dealt with this. Do you think there'll ever be a cure, or are there anything that that people can take or do um, to maybe, you know, slow it down? Or what do you think about the treatment of Alzheimer's? Because I'm sure you have a lot of Alzheimer's patients. So Alzheimer's is, as you know, is a form of dementia, and it seems like it is increasingly getting younger. The people are increasingly getting younger. So uh, I know people who are in their 40s who have it. And mm-hmm. it's getting it's getting scary. I remember when my grandmother was first diagnosed, they told the family when we talked about it, they would try to tell us to do brain exercises to try to help like crossword puzzles and things like that to try to keep your mind active, read a book, learn a different language, things like that to try to really help your mind continue to work. Um, we realized that my grandmother had retired from work and it seems like immediately when she wasn't doing anything that's when all the signs kicked in so it's important to keep your mind exercised and keep using your mind as much as possible so that's what I would suggest and then I also noticed that there seems to be a connection with people who are taking a lot of medication and Alzheimer's So I don't know the correlation, but just the percentage of patients who have lots of ailments and then Alzheimer's, it's a a very close match. And so I'm not sure if one triggers the other or how does it work, but that's just something to look at if I were a a caregiver dealing with a parent who had um, some of those issues. That's interesting. That's interesting because um, they say that diabetes also is a correlation between uh, diabetes and Alzheimer's. Is that what do you have to say about that? Absolutely, and it's really sad because as of right now, it says that more than twenty five percent of our population that are over the age of sixty five have diabetes, 
and that a great percentage, and it looks like it's a closer to percent of them have Alzheimer's. So there is a marriage in that as well. So that's something also to look at. And that's why I say when you have family members who have lots of issues, monitor them, watch them, see if different things, um, you know, check to see if they're having memory losses that don't seem normal. You know, all of us lose our keys. So, you know, mm. but if it's just stuff like, if it's stuff like they absolutely forget where they are, you know, they're losing their thought, train of thought all the time, you know, more than normal. Look at those kind of things. Um, they have problems trying to problem solve, and it, they just can't make sense of things that you know that they used to be able to do. You know, use that. Look at those kind of behaviors and uh, talk talk to your other siblings because that's what I do if I think something is going on I'll say hey you know mom or dad he you know something may not be quite right and one of us needs to keep our eye on it to make sure it's not something and then sometimes they other people may have problems and just be confused with time and place um you may talk to them and they may be in another year talking about a year that's not this year. They may be talking about a president that's not this present president. Those are different from just regular memory losses. Those are mm-hmm. things that are of concern. If they start talking about, you know, Gerald Ford and it's, you know, this administration, you need to be worried about that. And that's when you should be concerned and be like, we need to have a doctor's appointment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just want to um, say that this is uh, Wanda Williams Internet Cafe. I am talking to the wonderful and very knowledgeable uh, Regina Waltz. She's the CEO of Unity Home Care Services in the Maryland and Washington, D.C. area. Tell them how they can get in contact with you, Regina. Sure, Wanda. I, I can be reached at 301 272 7335. That's my business line. And then also on my website, unityhomecareservices.com. Okay, awesome. I just want to let them know that you're giving out this, this great information. So if the population, then I'm back to our to our topic again. Our topic is uh, loving. Oh, go ahead. You tell us the topic. You gonna dumb. You gonna be. She gonna be. She's a star. She's gonna be taking over. So go ahead, Regina. What's the, what's our topic tonight? So our topic tonight is loving loving our parents as they age, and I'm very passionate about this because our population is getting older. And if you notice that the baby boomers are are a big population, they're more than 45 percent of the population right now and of course people are getting older every day and so these are some things that we have to look forward to with our parents but also with ourselves as we age as well so this is why I wanted to have this discussion tonight oh yes and you're doing a great job because you're very giving out some really good information so I want to get back to um, diabetes we talked about there was a correlation between Alzheimer's and and diabetes um so I'm diabetic, and I'm insulin mm-hmm. dependent. And um, you mentioned the word diabetes. Everybody cringe because it's like, uh-oh, we're, you're, you're diabetic, and, you know, and especially around this time of the year. This is the worst time of the year, I, maybe not for some diabetics. You know, I can't speak for them, but I'm just speaking for me right now. The holidays is the worst time because this is the time where everybody let loose, um, we got the we got the Halloween. It starts to me in September. The the Halloween candy, the little cute little candy bars. Then we go ahead into, okay, it's coming up this week, Thanksgiving. And when they know you're diabetic, you know what happens, Regina. They become the food police. You can't have this. You can't have that. You can't have this. And everybody's watching what you eat and watching how much you take and make sure you take your your insulin and make sure that it's just a horrible time of the year for some of us, not all of us. And then Christmas. Okay, oh, my God. Christmas Eve, Christmas, um, New Year's Eve, New Year's. This is a bad time. And then Valentine's Day, which I love chocolates. I, you know, I love chocolate. So this whole thing all squished together. How does your clients handle this, or 
do they complain about this? They, they, they want certain things that they're used to having, and it brings back memories of being younger. The sweet potato pie. I remember my mother used to make it. I remember the this and this. How do your how do you get your clients to handle this? How do you handle this in your services? So a little bit of both. So I have some people who tell me I don't need a food police, and they're going to do what they want to do. And it's about letting people live with dignity. We cannot make a person do anything they don't want to do, but we can introduce them to some alternatives. I have one aide. She's amazing. She bakes, and she'll make gluten-free things, and she'll make uh, sugar-free things or, you know, things with reduced sugar. Some of them will try it. Some of them not so much. That's not their thing. They want the real thing. But mm-hmm. we also have, you know, alternatives that I try to tell people. I tell people to try, like, jello with fruit in it or pudding, pudding or angel's food cake. Or you can make homemade granola or things like strawberries with whipped topping. It's other things that you can try. But if you have to have the real thing, let's just have one slice of pie. Let's not have a slice of pie and cake and everything at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, just try to do everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. And that's tough because you see a table full of of, of desserts. Uh, mm-hmm. You see a table full of macaroni cheese, dressing, the whole bit, all these things that that every year you get. Maybe you don't eat these things during the year. Some people eat like this, you know, on a regular basis. I don't really eat a lot of macaroni and cheese, and I don't eat a, The only thing I love about Thanksgiving is turkey. I'm a turkey fanatic. I love turkey. <laughs> um, um, so, and I was never really a sweet person. The only thing I have my problems with is cook. I love oatmeal, so I love oatmeal cookies. So I'm an oatmeal cookie fanatic, too, um, and I try to control that. It's not that I like it more. Uh, I don't like sweet things. And, I, and I'm, I bet you have found this. If you don't eat a lot of sweets, if you eat something that's sweet, sweet, it tastes horrible because you're not mm-hmm. used to eating sweets. Have they? Have your clients found that? Because you don't eat sweets all the time. You eat something really, really sweet. It's like, oh, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. So have you found even that, that Yeah, even with me it's like that because I'm constantly trying to diet and to do stuff to eat and live better. And so when I do eat something or even drink something that I used to love, it's mm-hmm. super, super sweet to me. So, yeah, your taste buds end up changing. But the other thing um, you mentioned is like macaroni and cheese. And I wanted to mention that, you know, your carbohydrates, they turn into sugar. So people have to watch mm-hmm. those kind of things too, like their bread intake and things like that. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, this is a bad time. They're eating the macaroni and cheese, the dressing, the yams, the and then they want the dessert too, so they're going to drive their sugar off the chart. Mhm, mhm. Um, especially if you're not taking insulin. Now, they people say the mm-hmm. um, I know a lot of people when they cringe when they when they hear insulin, and then when I've uh, been taking I've been taking insulin uh, for a very long time, and when I first started, it was a nightmare. It was a very horrible thing. I thought I was being punished for some reason because it's to me it's a hard thing to ask somebody to do themselves. I wouldn't let anybody else do it unless I was in the hospital. And then I would just mm-hmm. say, look, give me the give me give it to me and I'll do it. And that's when they had the bottles of um insulin and then you had mm-hmm. your syringe and you had to mm-hmm. and my eyes weren't that good anyway. So you have to measure it out by looking at those little lines and getting the right, you know, the right dosage. That that's that was a lot. And then you then you get you try to get the right dosage, and then you and then you had to make sure there was no air that comes in there. It's a, it, you basically were being a nurse <laughs> to yourself, and and um, you you get administered the in the uh, the the insulin. Now it's a lot easier with the pins. It's so much easier. And they say, well, the needles are small, and I don't look. It, it, sometimes it does it hurts like the Dickens, and sometimes it may not. It just depends on the, how sensitive your skin is that day. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. Sometimes it hurts, sometimes it doesn't. But they did have made it easier to, to take insulin. You can control your blood sugars a little bit better around this time when you are taking insulin because you might take a little mm-hmm. extra insulin because I think I'm going to have a piece of that pie over there. I don't like pie, but I don't like real sweet things. I'm going to have a couple of Christmas cookies, so I'm going to do that. Um, so do you 
do you have some type of a program or some training of, of around this time of year to, to not to scold anybody? Look, you know you can't have this. No, just say be careful, you know, to, 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 so we can keep your blood sugars under control. So those kind of conversations you usually have with the caregiver to just as mm-hmm. a reminder, a friendly reminder to say, you know, um, what are the plans for the holidays? And mm-hmm. then you just kind of throw in there, you know, um, you may want to just monitor some of the eating habits. Now I have one person, she is just a sweet fanatic, and she's going to tell you, I'm grown, you can't tell me what to do, and there's nothing mm-hmm. you can do with that. You just have to let her do what she's going to do. And then other family try to accommodate with the needs of their parent, and they'll try to monitor their mom's eating, and they'll try to uh, give alternatives or give a small slice, you know, like a like a real small slice, not like a Jeffro slice of something, to make sure that, you know, you can still be a part of the family and enjoy the holidays with the sweets, but we have to do it responsibly. Yes, like my mother would do, and she would cut the thing so so skinny it would fall apart. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, my, even a piece of cake. Mom, look, I'm cutting this. <laughs> it would fall apart as it come down, and she had to scrape the thing on the plate. There you go. Here's your cake. I go, oh, okay, Mom, all right, I got to deal with that. Okay, Mom, all right, you know. She <laughs> cut. I said, Mom, cut it thin, but you're just cutting it too thin. Mom, that's a piece of paper. We used to go through this thing. I'd be trying to, she had a knife in her hand, and I'd be moving the knife in one way, and she'd be moving the knife the other way. <laughs> my mom back over this way, no, over this. So it was really, it was really funny around the holidays if I wanted cake. I'm not really a cake person, but you just want to get in on it. When I can, when I can you want to be like everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be normal. You want to feel normal. You know, I mean, I don't normally eat cake. I'm not a cake person. You know, I'm not a sweet person. But you see everybody else, I want to too. It's the holidays, right? You know, okay. All right. We have about 18 minutes left. And it's something that I do want to discuss with you because you are uh, near Washington, D.C., and you're near Maryland, which you're very close. And we've talked about all the fantastic services that you have. They're awesome um, maybe one day you come and take care of me when I and I need some help, and um, I, I think I'd be well taken care of with your with your service, so you can come take care of me, or I'll move to Washington D.C. Come on, what about come insurance? on Yeah, I know I would love it. I'd be taken care of. I be I live like a queen. Yeah, you live so close to Washington D.C. Can you use your insurance with these services? And Obamacare has that helped a lot with people being able to pay for these services that they really need. These aren't luxury. These are stuff that people need. How has that been affected since, you, again, you live in Washington, very close to Washington, D.C.? How has the uh, Obama fight uh, been affecting your business or, or, or your clients? So this answer is about That health care Obama. Right. So how it works is um, – most of my clients are private pay, so they pay cash, but most private insurance have what's called long-term care insurance. So you would be able to use your private insurance to pay for my services. Some insurances do it. I know like I have Blue Cross and Blue Shield. They have it in um, Aetna, Aetna, just some other ones. They do offer that. And even some of the life insurance policies have that as well. But how has the Affordable Care Act yes. helped my clients? It helped initially tremendously because there were a lot of people who had pre-existing conditions, like people who are on dialysis, get insurance because prior to that they had a difficult time getting health insurance. Um, they may get Medicaid, but Medicaid didn't cover a lot of their services. So with the Obamacare Affordable Care Act, they were able to have that and they've got, you know, good health insurance. Now with the current administration trying to nix that, everybody is in a panic because they're not sure what they're going to do. I did a seminar last week at one of the senior living communities that I have clients at, and I was talking to a lady, and she was, the community is 55 and older, and she looked to be very young and spry, but she did say that she had uh, dialysis. 
she was on dialysis, and she was really nervous because she didn't know if she was going to be able to continue to have health insurance. And so that was a concern, and it is a concern with people who have preexisting conditions. The other Mm. thing is it afforded people the ability to be able to get their medications. Previously, some people had to decide if they could afford to eat or if they could actually get their medications. So the Affordable Care Act actually helped people live a lot better. They didn't have to pick either or. They were able to live comfortably with their medication and still afford their food. So uh, what do you think is going to happen if, okay, they have it in the tax bill that they want to try to abolish uh, uh, some of the Affordable Care Act, and they said like 13,000 people will be without it. And this this question is to you. You probably know more about it than than I do. What if you do have a preexisting uh, and you need uh, a, um, let's say, a liver transplant or, or a heart transplant, or you do need di- you got to have dialysis. If you are on dialysis, it's, it's a must. If you don't have the insurance, what happens to you? I mean, what- Wanda, this administration is going to kill a lot of people, and it's unfortunate, but it's going to be a lot of people who die. They need these services. They need the health insurance. People need these things, and the administration that's in the White House right now, they don't care. They don't. It's not affecting them, so they don't care about it. But other people who this affects every single day, and like me and my business, I see people who have so many needs, who have so many concerns. It's very disheartening to have conversations with people and try to reassure them about their future when it's so uncertain. And for me, I try to be positive with them, but what can you tell a person who doesn't know if they'll if they if they will be covered? It's such an unfair yeah. situation to put people in and then it's millions of people who are going through this and I don't know if you noticed but they said this last open enrollment it was the most enrollment that they ever had because people are scared. They're trying to make sure that they're going to be covered. Mm-hmm. I heard that. I heard that. And they were trying to hide the advertisements and all this stuff. But, but mm-hmm. Obama got out there and did some commercials and got people going, hey, get some insurance. You need insurance. I don't care if you are um, 10 years old, you can get sick. You can get asthma. You can be in a car accident. You can be – anything can happen to you. And that's just like – with your car, you got car insurance, right? Just in case a young person can get sick, just like an older person. Because I was a young person who I felt I was a young person that was diagnosed with diabetes at a very early age, and I was blessed to have had insurance uh, and able to go in the hospital when I was sick. I was able to get my insulin and I was able to get my medication because I was very, very sick when I was first diagnosed at a very young age. So I thought I was invincible, too. I was so invincible, I wouldn't even go to the hospital, and I knew I was sick. I'm too young to be getting sick like this. So mm-hmm. young people get sick, older people get sick. People get sick. It's not your fault that you get sick. Nobody asked to be sick. You know, we. it just happens. It's just a, You need insurance at any age. You need to have that for kids, for uh, for teenagers, for uh, young adults. Everybody needs insurance. I totally agree. Okay, okay. Now again, we're going to get all off uh, off of this thing here because you're so close to uh, Washington D.C. Um, what do you think is going to happen with the Affordable Care Act? And um, what do you hear? Because you're you're in D.C. And, and I'm sure people are talking about it. Now, how far are you from from the White House? Have you been to the White House? Let's put it that way. Have you been to the White House? Not under this administration, but yes, I have previously been to the White House. And literally, I live. It's not even two blocks from the D.C. area. It's literally two blocks from me. But the White House is maybe about 15 minutes from me. Really? So how how is that area? How what is it? What is it like? I haven't been yet. I'm gonna have to come visit you because we gotta do we gotta do a show together, 
and on video and talk because me and you, me and you be getting down. Me and you on the same page, so we we gonna we gonna have a good old time. I, I gotta come. Absolutely. So if I came to visit, Absolutely. how is it there? How is it? How is it to so, see the White House? The White House is in the downtown area, so it's very inner city. It's a lot of the federal government down there. It's a lot of hotels and things like that. But right directly across the street is a park. I want to say it's called Lafayette Park, but it has homeless people there. It's it's a lot of protests go on there, but the White House is located in an area that has a little bit of everything. If you go around the corner, it's a little bit nicer. If you go right across the street, it's a little rough. So it just really depends. But that's D.C., you know, you go up one block, you're good. You go around the other corner, not so much. <laughs> That's really strange, you know. And you probably go, where am I? <laughs> I mm-hmm. just over here. Now I'm over here. Oh, my goodness. Well, so you were probably there when they had the, the protest for the, um, what was it called? Uh, you know, um, uh, the 1%, was it 1% or 99% protest? It was a few years ago where people were living uh, in the park, in that so, area. Well, was that New York? I think that was New York. Was that mm-hmm. New York? I think it was, I think, no, that was, that was New York. They were living by Wall Street. Forget it. That was in New York. Mm-hmm. So do you go to any of the protests? Because I know there's a lot of protests there. There was one uh, this week with um, uh, Latinos and talk, uh, talking about um, um, the um, Puerto Rico uh, immigration things. Are, are mm-hmm. you, do you ever go to any of those? I try not to. I really don't. I do try not to because, (laughs) no, if you live in the city or if you live, like, you're affected because of the the traffic and the things like that, so it affects your day-to-day living. But the last time I can honestly say that I was down there was for uh, Obama's inauguration, his um, second inauguration. I was there. It was beautiful. It was unity. Everything was absolutely wonderful it was down on the monument grounds and everything was wonderful so that was good before the protest i try to stay away but i do try to stay abreast of a lot of things that's going on because they really do affect us all yeah we don't realize that some people don't even watch the news you know you know you wake up one day and the thing of it is you're going to wake up one day with insurance and, and wake up the next day without it and go, what happened? You know, what happened to my insurance? Well, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. I think people are are going to um, protest, and um, uh, that's not going to go through because we need insurance. And uh, the one thing I really respect, you know, uh, Obama for really thinking about everybody because this is just the beginning. I'm sure when they first started Social Security, it started off rocky. They was against that. You know, Medicaid, Mm -hmm. I'm sure, was rocky. They was against that. You know, now it's the, you know, the Affordable Care Act. That's very rocky. I think it's going to survive. Um, we are going to have uh, maybe 20 years from now that it's going to be just a normal thing that people are are being taken care of and a lot of preventive medicine. Do you think preventive me- medicine will help in the long run as we age? What do you think of that, Regina? Absolutely, and I do hope that it goes to that, some kind of universal care. Um, I know Hillary had been trying to get that done um, and build when he was in office. And I really do because other countries, that's what they have. They have universal health care, and I think that it's a good idea. Now, on the flip side of that, I do think that preventative medications and treatments will be helpful, but you have to remember we're in America, and it's a business. And so a lot of times they want you to be on the medication, so Mm -hmm, they treat mm -hmm. the symptoms and not cure the illness. So we have to be mindful of that, and that's why we have to be serious about our own health care so if somebody diagnoses you with something, find out everything you can about it and try to see what you can do in addition to the medications because the goal is that we don't want to be on medications forever. We want to try to live a healthy life as best we can without all of the medications. Now, if you need medication, I want you to take it, but I want you to try to do the right things. Uh, for example, we're talking about diabetes. If you're diabetic, I don't want you eating everything, sugar, every day when you know you're not supposed to have it. It's not going to help your case. But, you know, occasionally that's fine. But I do want people mm-hmm. to try to live their best life that they can without so many medications because, again, there's some kind of correlation between a lot of medications and Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And I've had discussions with my doctor where I said, you know, I've looked up this medication, the side effects. People, and, and, and I have a sensitive system, and I get side effects from certain medications. And I had side effects from one medication that was horrible, and I couldn't figure it out. And people were telling me that um, you're just getting old. You know, and I'm like, I never felt like this before. You're just getting old. Just accept it. So I was just, uh, um, just going to my doctor and telling my doctor I feel like this. And I sometimes I don't like when women they don't really pay attention so much to women. I have a, a, a female doctor, but sometimes they think, the first thing they think, oh, this is just in your mind and it's just gonna go. Look, if I'm telling you I'm sick, I'm sick because I don't like being mm-hmm. sick. If I'm not feeling mm-hmm. good, please respect that. And I kept saying, you know, my, my my legs are hurting, it's hard to walk. And then it got to the point where I couldn't walk, and I said, oh, my God, you know, something's going on. So I went to the pharmacist, and um, I said, um, he saw this medication I was taking. He says, you're taking this? I go, yeah. I said, I'm so sore, I can hardly walk. He said, that's one of the side effects. Stop taking this medicine. Don't ever take this medicine again. And so when I go back to my doctor, you know what she said? We'll just take a lower dose. And I was hmm. like, no, we're not taking a lower dose. We're not taking anything. We're not, we're not, we're getting rid of this. And I stopped taking the medication. I got better. Um, the, the soreness went away. I was able to walk. Um, every footstep was in intense pain. And sometimes if your body's telling you something, and I'm not saying uh, go off your medication, you know, uh, I'm going to go off my high blood pressure medicine because of this. You can, you can get something that's going to make you feel better. If it's not making you feel good, go to the doctor and try something else. I'm not saying get off your medication. But once I did um, stop taking that medication, I did feel a lot better, and she put me on a different one. And it took a mm-hmm. long time for me to trust to go. But I feel fine now. But you listen listen to your, what your body's saying. I personally would, would like more natural things um, than, you know what I'm saying, uh, than taking the pills. Because I don't really like taking them, but I take them. And I definitely don't like taking the insulin. I, I, I they, they got to come up with something better than that. So um, I don't, I don't. What do you think? You think they come up with something better than 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 uh, having to take it with a needle? Because I know there's some insulins you can inhale, but they say that don't work as good. I don't believe them. To be honest with you. Well, I, I think that think? there are lots of there are lots of alternatives. Um, even you, some people can regulate stuff with their diet, but you would probably have to go to a natural path doctor who mm-hmm. um, specializes in that. And because I know it's a lot of things. I remember um, when I was a little younger, I suffered with migraines terribly. I went and had acupuncture and I haven't had a migraine in so long. Knock on wood, please don't let me get one again. But they were debilitating. I would have them for like 28 days at a time. Like it was oh, crazy. Yeah, and so yeah. I did um, acupuncture, and that helped. And then also, you know, people tell you to watch your diet and try to cut mm-hmm. back on meats and things like that. It definitely helps. I had um, issues in the beginning of the year. I stopped eating meat, and I'm pretty much a pescatarian. I only eat um, fish and seafood, but try to have a really solid plant-based diet so that definitely helps as well but those are things you just have to look into and kind of just keep seeing what works for you try things till you find out what works for you even with your Mm -hmm. medication your doctor can give you something like you said and it might not necessarily be for you you have to change the dose or you may have to change the medication altogether but you have to be partners with your doctor and your health and getting you to where you need to be you have to be very strong-willed about your health care because a doctor knows this medicine works and why is it not working for you? It's, so you have to say, hey, I feel like this. Write it down. I've taught my children this at a young age. Write down how you're feeling. Write down what medications you need. So when you go into the doctor's office, you may have forgotten some things, but if you go back to your notes, you can say, hey, I checked my pressure for the last five days and it's been this. So maybe I don't need to be on this medication or can we take a trial period with me off of it and have those kind of conversations with your doctor. Yes. Regina, can you believe it? We're done. We're almost, we're, we're, we're got like 30 seconds left. I want to thank you, Regina Watts, CEO of her own company she, uh, on Say It Loud. I'm a woman and I am proud. Unity Home Care, 
uh, services, contact her. Give me your contact uh, uh, information again, and we're going to have to say goodbye because we talked so much. But she's going to be back. She's going to be back. So, Regina, give me your information real quick before we get cut off. 301-272-7335. Call me. And they can hear that on the recording. So call, call. she is awesome. Regina, thank you so much. I want to thank you for being my guest, and I'm going to be talking to you soon. You know, we got plans. Sure. All right, thank then. you for having me. We got plans because you're an awesome lady. Awesome lady. This has been Wanda Williams Internet Cafe with Say a Lot. I'm a woman, and I'm proud. We will be back again, and I want to say happy Thanksgiving, and God bless, and much love. Bye-bye. Thank you.